Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hello and welcome to Savor Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about General So's chicken. Yes, we are. <laughs> this one's going to be another fun adventure with pronunciation, uh, but uh-huh. we'll do our best. Uh, so I really don't, I don't have much experience with this one either. Oh, I feel like we've been on a really strong kick of these. Uh, I know. I think this is like the fourth or fifth one. Um, my family used to have a tradition. Again, I grew up in a very small town um, of ordering Chinese food on a couple of Fridays a month Mm -hmm. when I was growing up. And we did it for so long. The woman who ran that restaurant would just say $47.63 before we even placed the order because she knew (laughs) we didn't deviate. Okay, it was exactly, yeah. And that was it. And that's amazing. Um, I think this happened, like, semi-recently. I'm not sure if she still <laughs> runs it, but, like, a couple of years ago, I think she still was like, this is the amount. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my two brothers had our things. And my little brother loved the sesame chicken, and it it came with, like, a dipping sauce that I think was the sweet and sour sauce. Yeah. Um, And my older brother also got something like that. But I was all about the Mongolian beef. Okay. And the egg rolls in a fried rice. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that was what it was. Sure. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I did try it, General So's, once at a mall food court, but I thought it was too sweet or something. Uh, I just, in general, 
just didn't do the fried chicken things with Chinese food. Sure. Yeah. Um, grow, growing up, my experience with uh, American Chinese takeout culture was, yeah, we, well, my, um, my, my dad and I would do like the Jewish American Christmas tradition of having Chinese on Christmas Day for lunch. He would usually make something nice for dinner. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, for, for lunch, we would have Chinese. And um, gosh, his, his favorite was Egg Fu Young. And I can't remember, I genuinely cannot remember what I used to order when I was a kid. I think it was probably like sesame or orange chicken, which is basically a variation on general so's. Uh, so yeah, uh, th- these days it's part of the regular circulation of my household's like late night order. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like like we're, <laughs> like these these are not sober humans who are ordering this food at this juncture, but you know, like it's, it's like, yes, please put some corn syrup on my fried chicken. That would be delightful. I would like you to (laughs) deliver that to my face. That would be amazing. (laughs) Yes. I have to say, I mean, in general, this episode has left me with a kind of Americanized Chinese food takeout craving. Oh, yes. Oh, 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 y'all, the cravings in this one. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's 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 intense. And like I said, I don't have much experience with General Sos. <laughs> I want it. I want it. <laughs> it's very, very tempting. Yeah. And I have to say, reading this story, which I imagine some of you are familiar with that we're mm-hmm. going to get into, um, it did remind me very much of my time in China when I first arrived. You know, Chinese food, it's a huge country. <laughs> yeah, with many cultures and cuisines yeah. and traditions. Yeah. Yeah. It is absolutely not a monolith. Uh, and I, I was lucky enough that I did get to travel and stay in a pretty wide... I mean, that's another thing about China is it's, like, physically huge. So it mm-hmm. takes forever to get to yeah. places that on a map don't look that far away. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And I learned really, really quickly just how different food was from place to place, but also extremely different from Chinese food in the United States, um, which made sense. It makes sense to me, but was also really eye-opening. And in my experience, I could be totally wrong because I obviously did not go everywhere in China. Most of the closest things I got to Americanized Chinese food were in Hong Kong. Oh, sure. Yeah. Still different, but yeah. Oh, gosh. Delicious food, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, and this is, this is also right. Yeah. So, so many different cravings. Like, I'm just, I just want everything. I want everything. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I miss my Szechuan places in Atlanta. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, but all right. Let us get to our question. Yes. General So's chicken. What is it? Oh, that is a great question. Um, but... Well, uh, General Tso's, sometimes called uh, or pronounced General Sow's chicken, is a dish composed of bite-sized pieces of marinated chicken, usually dark meat, uh, deep-fried and coated in this uh, sweet, tangy, spicy sauce, often served with steamed white rice and a vegetable, perhaps steamed broccoli. The sauce can vary a bit, but the base ingredients are, uh, in order of, like, of like content uh, by, by volume or weight, I guess, sugar. Always sugar. Uh, soy sauce, or perhaps the richer uh, dark soy sauce. Chicken stock, Zhaojing rice wine, which is a kind of dry rice wine. Rice vinegar, sesame oil, some uh, minced ginger, minced garlic, maybe some scallions, uh, dried chilies, and a little bit of cornstarch as a thickener. Um, as an alternative, you can add some orange juice and zest to make orange chicken, or top it with sesame seeds, which is basically just what sesame chicken is. And... 
the result is just so brilliantly basic. Like, it's just this absolute masterclass in comfort food contrast. Like, it's fatty and crispy and tender, um, sweet and sour and spicy and savory. We've talked about in our snack food episodes how these types of contrasts make your brain go, oh, weird, more of that. More, please. I want to keep eating this forever. Um, it's such a comfort food, um, known by many other vaguely related uh, names, um, in addition to every possible angelicized uh, spelling of uh, so. You've got General Gao's chicken or General Mao's chicken, General Joe's chicken. Apparently in the U.S. Navy, they call it Admiral So's chicken, which is <laughs> just such a tiny slight. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> You can make it at home if you so choose. Uh, the um, incomparable J. Kenji Lopez alt of Serious Eats has just a journey of a recipe for it up. Um, and I highly recommend checking that out. If you would like to make it for yourself. Yes. <laughs> I'm very scared by the whole venture, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> and I think journey of a recipe is a great... That's what I often go through in my kitchen. <laughs> Ups and downs, emotional highs and lows, you know? Uh, <laughs> but yes, what about the nutrition? Oh my goodness, y'all eat a dang vegetable. <laughs> Broccoli, apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I love, whenever you get it with takeout, there's usually like four pieces of broccoli. Yeah, And that's it, placed. that's what you get. Right. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I, I mean, okay, okay. Like it will, it will fill you up and help keep you going. It is high in fat and saturated fat and sugar and salt. It does have a good punch of protein, um, some vitamins and minerals in there. Watch your serving sizes. It's it's sugary fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, we took fried chicken, added some more sugar. And we added some sugar. We were like, you know. <laughs> you know what this needs. <laughs> you know what type of empty calorie this doesn't have right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we do have some numbers for you. We do. So these days, there are about 50,000 Chinese restaurants in the United States, and that is more than KFC's, Wendy's, Burger King, and McDonald's combined. That is a very Oof. popular stat yeah. that gets thrown when mm-hmm. talking about this. In 2017, Panda Express sold 80 million pounds of orange chicken, which, yes, is related. More on that later. Also a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is their top selling at that year, and I, I assume most years that's their top selling item. Yeah. In 2014, food delivery website Grubhub reported that General So's ranked as the most popular Chinese food item and the fourth most popular dish overall that year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. It is particularly popular in the eastern United States, not so popular in Hunan, China, where it sort of kind of originated <laughs> a little bit um where yeah. where it was inspired by yes oh this sounds like one of those really funny movie titles where it's like inspired <laughs> by this thing that was influenced by this thing it's like eight things on yeah it. yeah That's one of those of the truth <laughs> colon and then like a 98 word <laughs> slurry right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, what is this about? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, um, yeah, and we are going to get into that history. Yes, but first we're going to pause for a quick break forward from our sponsor. Hold up. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, General So's Chicken has been the subject of much food sleuthing. Yes, due to this popularity and and due to the fact that it does not exist as such outside of the United States. And yeah, shout out to the excellent documentary, The Search for General So, um, which came out in 2014. Yes. Okay. (laughs) It's widely accepted that this dish was created by Chinese chef Pong Chang Kui. Born in Hunan in 1919, Pong got into cooking at a young age, serving as an apprentice for famous Hunanese chef Cao Jingchen as a teenager. 
He went on to become a chef for the Chinese national government, where he oversaw the national government's banquets until that regime fell to Mao Zedong's Communist Party in 1949. And Pong fled alongside leaders of that political party to Taiwan. There, he continued crafting these feasts and banquets for government officials. He opened a popular restaurant where he served classic Hunan regional cuisine. As the story goes, he created General Zhou's in 1955 or sometime in the 50s, he Mm -hmm. would later recall, (laughs) um, for a banquet for chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. In some versions of the story, he specifically tried to satisfy the palate of American Admiral Arthur W. Radford. And this original version of the dish was not battered and fried, and it wasn't very sweet. Um, from, from what I understand, most Hunan cuisine wouldn't involve very much sugar. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that the chicken in this original dish was skin on and, and was cooked until that crisped um, before being coated in this tangy, spicy sauce. Mm. And Pong named it after a famous Hunan war hero, Zhuo Zongtang, or Sao Songtong. Um, I tried. I, I'm sorry if I butchered it. I tried. Oh. Um, <laughs> who allegedly enjoyed eating this dish, which is pretty much impossible for a variety of yes. reasons. Uh, it's, he would not have, no. But <laughs> It just cracked me up. People were like, yeah. I'm like, but wait, aren't we saying it wasn't really a thing? All right. Um, Yes, there are no known written records of a dish by this name prior to this um, in cookbooks out of Hunan uh, or anything like that. I I mean, I'm sure (laughs) people were like, well, we might have liked eating chicken. I feel like this is a different, that's different. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. But quick history aside, Zhuo was born in Hunan in 1812. He was a very successful military leader um, in China and is particularly known for reclaiming a strategic and prized region from a group of Uyghur Muslims. According to Jennifer Eight Lee, who has done extensive research on Chinese food in America, he, quote, played an important role in the Taiping Rebellion, which was a civil war started by a Chinese guy who thought he was the son of God and the baby brother of Jesus Christ, really. Which was so great, we had to include it. I know. Yeah. I know. But this is history's most violent civil war with somewhere between 20 to 100 million casualties. Yeah. um, And this guy was on the crush the uprising peasants side of the rebellion. And interestingly, um, because this dish wound up being named after him, part of the belief system that, that from what I understand, again, he and his peers were operating on was this desire to maintain traditional Chinese culture and to keep Western influence at a distance. Oh. <laughs> I feel like he would not have liked this dish. <laughs> no, it reminds me of the whole graham cracker situation. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, um, and yeah, this original dish, as you said, Lauren, was quite different from what you probably get at Chinese restaurants in America. Pong said of his this first creation, General So's chicken did not pre-exist in Hunanese cuisine, but originally the flavors of the dish were typical Hunanese. Heavy, sour, hot, and salty. And no broccoli. Nope. It wasn't and isn't grown in China. <laughs> uh, that was an American edition. Mm-hmm. But, okay, how and when did this dish get Americanized? All right. 
So in 1965, America changed its laws around Chinese immigration. It had previously been barred because of the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. And yeah, uh, okay, so what had happened there was that during the gold rush of the 1840s and 50s, there was this influx of workers from China into California. And then later, after the Civil War, the, the American Civil War, and the economic depression that followed in many places, there was this really xenophobic pushback against Chinese immigrants in America. Like, there were massacres, like multiple. I, I really cannot overstate how racist and how pervasive the anti-Chinese messaging was, especially in the West. Um, and there were then a number of laws passed in California and then nationally that restricted first immigration of Chinese women to prevent families from settling here, and, and then Chinese people in general, with a very few class-related exceptions. In the early 1900s, one of those exemptions was for restaurant owners, which is part of what began the widespread creation of Chinese-American restaurants throughout the United States. Um, uh, that and the creation of other small businesses like laundry services were some of the only options that Chinese people had here. Um, they were literally excluded from many other forms of labor, both legally and extra-legally. And through um, inter-community support structures. Um, for, for example, these community associations that sprung up to help people like just figure out how to exist here. And, and, and which remind me a lot of the uh, mutual aid societies that were solidifying in New Orleans around the same time. Through, um, through this community support, this diaspora of immigrants spread out eastward across the United States sometimes in big cities forming a like local Chinatown-type population, but often in the interest of not competing with other members of the community, uh, a family would settle in a small town, you know, being the only Chinese family there, and often would open a restaurant. And this is where we get the first Chinese-American dishes, like chop suey, things that like really were not <laughs> Chinese dishes, um, but might have been using some exotic Chinese ingredients um, in ways that seemed both exciting and safe to white Americans. Um, it was very smart and savvy, uh, very effective as a form of soft politics, um, and, and very grassroots, just really, really amazing efforts by people who were making the best of an incredibly bad situation. Mm -hmm. Those laws began to change when China became an ally of the United States during World War II, but then got more stringent as a result of the communism scare in the 1950s. Um, and then, finally, during the civil rights movement, these and other uh, racially discriminatory laws that were preventing immigration based on national origins, based on any national origin that basically wasn't like Northwestern Europe, right. all of those laws were struck down in like 1965, with some effects permeating out from there. But yes, uh, so back to the mid-1960s. Right. So... More uh, and more Chinese and Taiwanese chefs began arriving and opening restaurants in the United States. Um, and chefs would place ads bragging that they were the first to serve dish XYZ in the United States, kind of really competing with each other and upping the ante. Yeah, yeah. Pong opened his first restaurant in New York in 1973. At the time, Hunanese food was relatively unknown in the United States, but soon Pong's restaurant gained a clientele from the nearby United Nations headquarters, and in particular, the then Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger. According to Pong, 
Kissinger visited us every time he was in New York, and we became great friends. It was he who brought Hunanese food to public notice. In 1977, a food reviewer for the New York Times called the dish at Pong's restaurant, General Tso's, quote, a stir-fried masterpiece, sizzling hot broth and flavor and temperature. (laughs) (laughs) Flavor and temperature? Mm -hmm. Um, Kissinger himself may have been turned on to this dish after President Nixon had it when visiting China in 1972. And yeah, I don't have like a whole lot of nice things to say about Nixon, but that visit does seem to have done a lot to improve um, white Americans' attitudes towards their Chinese-American neighbors at the time. Right. Um, And purveyors of Chinese food in America did adapt their dishes to the palates of Americans, often adding sweetness and or deep-frying protein. Mm -hmm. Um, Pong did the same with General Tso's chicken, crisping it up and sweetening it. Um, He returned to Taiwan in the late 80s, quite wealthy. His influence was seen on Chinese menus and dishes across the United States, helped along by chefs who worked with or near him. And I have to say, um, reading interviews with him, because people have gone and and asked him, like, tell us the story. And over time, (laughs) I think he was sort of confused and bemused by it at first. (laughs) And then he was kind of like, well, what have you done to this dish? (laughs) So I know there in some articles I read, he said he did adapt it to, like, American taste, especially with the sugar. And then others, he was kind of like, unclear about how much he did that. So (laughs) I I assume he did. (laughs) Um, But anyway, grain of salt with that. Yeah, yeah. Lee, the researcher we mentioned earlier, posits that the first recipe for this American version of General Tso's was actually called General Ching's Chicken, which was a fried, sweet, and sour dish. It originated in New York after it was created by Chef T.T. Wong, potentially... He picked it up from Pong after a culinary trip to Taiwan and then possibly modified it for yeah. American taste. General Ching was a mentor of General Zhuo's, uh, oh. by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, sometime in the 1980s, the name General Tso's combined with General Ching's, the recipe, and there you go, or possibly. Seems possibly. like a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> were happening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that, that that story about um, Wang having visited uh, Pong's restaurant is one that I've heard from multiple sources as well. And uh, there's furthermore a story that representatives from McDonald's were sniffing around uh, Pong's restaurants around this time, and that that's where they developed the formula for the breading of chicken nuggets. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Chicken nuggets. Coming like, up all the time. <laughs> can't can't avoid them. No. And also I saw it come up in terms of the sweet and sour sauce. Oh, sure. Right. Right. Speaking of, very brief orange chicken aside. Uh-huh. So Panda Express, the largest Chinese fast food chain in the United States, claims to have created orange chicken in 1987, uh, the product of the then-executive chef Andy Cow. Classically French-trained, he invented this dish at one of the company's Hawaii locations. He called it a variation of General Tso's chicken, one he created at the request of customers. In the words of Chef Jimmy Wong, who works at Panda Express's California Innovation Kitchen. Okay. Yes. 
orange chicken is probably one of the most genius creations in the past 30 years. It's taking everything that we love, crispy fried chicken, tossed with savory sweet and sour sauce that really hits all the senses and taste buds in your mouth. Yep. Yep, that's (laughs) it. That's just what it is. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. True. (laughs) And unfortunately, Pung didn't find very much success in New York City. Uh, Apparently, Chef Wong's versions of, like, Hunan American dishes were more popular. So Uh. he wound up not staying. Pung wound up not staying in the United States for very long. (laughs) Yeah, and when he returned to his hometown in Hunan in 1990 to open a restaurant, he included General Tso's on the menu. However, the restaurant didn't last too long, and the dish itself wasn't very popular there. Too sweet was the big complaint about Mm -hmm. it. But that didn't stop some of the top chefs in that area from learning how to make it. And when those chefs did demonstrations abroad, people expected them to know how to make General So's because they thought that's where it's from. The most famous Hunanese dish, as it has been called. Wow. Yeah. And it may have been a point of pride and unwillingness to admit this popular Hunanese dish actually originated from an exiled political party in Taiwan (laughs) or perhaps a strategic decision to not ignore a dish um, of such world renown when Hunanese cuisine in general wasn't very well known. Maybe it was all of the above and more. But whatever the case, some Hunanese chefs began including it in their recipe collections, particularly those targeted towards a Taiwanese audience. Ah. Yeah. So even though most people who live in Hunan have never heard of it, uh, some of the province's top chefs lay claim to it as a Hunan original. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Here's another quote from Lee. What I discovered in America, General Tso's, like Colonel Sanders, is known for chicken and not war. In China, he is known for war and not chicken. (laughs) 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 Yes, and in 2014, the documentary The Search for General Tso came out. Lee said of it, The film uses the ubiquitous spicy sweet chicken dish as a window into the Chinese-American immigrant experience. In a way, it reflects my own experience growing up Chinese-American. Oh, it's such a it's such a great documentary. I really, really do recommend watching it. It's just got interviews with a whole lot of extremely delightful, very passionate human people. And <laughs> in one in one of the segments, uh, the the film crew goes around to places in in Hunan and like show them photographs of General So's chicken from America. And they're like, what is this? Do you know what this is? And they're like, N- what? <laughs> they're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> is that food? Like, that? <laughs> what did you suspicious. do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is amazing, as we so often talk about on the show, but this is a dish that, once again, tells so much, like, of a story and history. Yeah. Just in this plate of food. It's amazing. When asked about America's take on General So's chicken, speaking of, <laughs> Pong said, nonsense. <laughs> and it, I believe, is it in the documentary they showed him pictures as well? And he was like, oh, I don't. Get that away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was that was very, very much the, uh, the uh, emotion that he espoused about it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, 
He died in 2016, Pong did, at the age of 98. Uh, he was still cooking in uh, one of his family's 10 restaurants in Taiwan, basically up to his death. Yeah. Yeah. He, he sounded like somebody who really enjoyed <laughs> the working, working in the kitchen and yeah. creating these things. Yeah. Um, a lot of twists and turns in this story. And I so badly the craving. <laughs> oh. It's it is one of the more intense ones. That I I mean like I feel like I say this every other episode, <laughs> but yeah, like like th- this is one that I'm actually serious about. I'm like I don't usually order this dish unless I'm drunk at two in the morning. Um, but like this <laughs> might be what's happening for dinner. Like that just might be it. Like I don't know if I can resist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. Who can resist the call? <laughs> I hope you get it and tell me how it goes. I'm actually just now getting to, because of a variety of uh, hijinks, I'm just now getting to my St. Patrick's Day uh, corned uh beef. So I made a huge thing of that. So I can't, I got to wait till that's gone. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that actually is a good segue into our listener mail we have. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener mail. <laughs> Sweet and sour. Lots. <laughs> Um, Neve wrote, belated happy St. Patrick's Day. I just listened to your latest episode and had to write in with more Guinness is good for you lore. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service used to offer blood donors a bottle of Guinness (laughs) after their donation to restore their iron levels. (laughs) This ended around 2009 or 2010 before my donating career due to changing blood alcohol limits for drivers. And I suppose, quote, Moving with the times. It was deemed no longer an appropriate partnership. (laughs) Nowadays, the blood donation clinics offer non-alcoholic soft drinks like 7-Up, Pepsi, Club Orange, which is an Irish soda made, quote, with the bits, um, or tea and coffee. I made my 10th donation on Tuesday, but had a Guinness myself at home for the nutritional patriotic value. (laughs) (laughs) And then Um, wink emoji. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I love it so much. I... So I think within hours after the Guinness episode went up, we received so many <laughs> mail of so much mail about Guinness, and I'm so excited to read it. I love it. Yes, <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, anything that inspires a passion like that is so yeah. so entertaining, mm-hmm. so inspiring. <laughs> Swati wrote, I just finished listening to your Guinness episode while I was working and took a break to write this. Listening to Annie's story made me reminisce to my own trip that I took to Dublin with my best friend at the beginning of 2020, clearly before the entire world shut down, LOL. Anywho, that's a story that's been shared already. What I wanted to share was a little tradition we came up with after that trip. Since we got back from our trip, we decided that every year on the anniversary of our visit to the Guinness Storehouse, January 8th, and the Jameson Distillery, January 9th, we would share those specific drinks on their respective anniversaries. Now it's St. Patrick's Day, where it all comes together. So yesterday, for our second St. Patty's Day in a row, we went to an outdoor bar and shared a warm shot of Jameson and chased it with our pints of Guinness. And every year, we say the same toast to each other. I don't know what I would do without you in my life. I love you and cilantro. It's a tradition that I can't wait to continue till we're old, but still slinging shots back, this time in rocking chairs. Oh, it's so lovely. You always write in with the best traditions. I know, right? (laughs) Yes. Heck. Oh. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I've told this story before, but the Guinness Brewery is located near the Jameson Distillery. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I did a similar thing, and I remember being like, wide-eyed American tourist who is going on this Jameson tour. And I kid you not, they poured, like, three pretty big pours of, um, because they wanted you to compare Jameson 
with Johnny Walker and the other one. <laughs> so you, I can't remember. A third whiskey. But... So like you had these like three, yeah, yeah like decent, yeah. decent sized pours. Was it? What's the one from Kentucky? It was a, it's an American one, a Scottish one, and an Irish one. Okay. Uh, maybe Jack Daniels or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I remember being like, wow, so American <laughs> distilleries are a bit stingy on the pores. <laughs> are they a bit, a bit overboard? I'm not sure which, but <laughs> all yeah. right, I'll try your competitor's whiskey as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll take three shots despite what, <laughs> what I might have going on for the rest of my life. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, it was goodness. a really good tour. It was, yeah. <laughs> that aside, it was the science was really cool. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you to both of them for writing in. Mm-hmm. Very much looking forward to reading future Guinness-related emails <laughs> yes, that we yes, have. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, in the meantime, if you would like to email us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.